When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our weekly Penguins chat. Andrew Destin with Matt Vensa. We're coming to you on a Tuesday morning, fresh off a Penguins 4-3 to win over the Minnesota Wild. Lots to get into here. Plenty of storylines, of course, the one beneath me that you see about the Penguins' power play success. But before we get into any of that, want to remind you that this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Do you think well, you should give him a call? I mean, you look like you could use some windows back there. Why are you covering up your windows? Maybe you need to give Pella a call. They can get well, you straightened away there. You, you know, it's it's a problem, man. I'm living in denial. I, I woke up this morning and I saw there was snow outside. So I'm keeping the windows uh, down so that I can pretend that I don't live in snow-covered Pittsburgh right now. But, uh, you know, it, it's just the life I chose, Matt. What can I say? You want to come help me take my dog Bauer for a walk in the snow? Or are you good? You're like willingly doing that? I walk my dogs every day, mile and a half, as much for, for me as it is for them. Um, wow. Rain, snow, shine. I'm like the postal service. All right, <laughs> let's talk hockey. <laughs> okay, Mr. Postman. Um, well, this is a bad segue. I'm trying here. The Penguins power play also delivered yesterday. Ooh. As they ha- Yeah, that was bad. That was real rough. Uh, the last four games, though, it's really – Aside from the Toronto game, which, you know, was an effort that the Penguins certainly wanted to put behind them. Uh, but the last four games, they've won three out of them. And it's been no secret. The power play has been pretty instrumental to that. Um, certainly was last night uh, in the win against Minnesota, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, multiple power play goals in those three games, all wins that you mentioned. Um, I think the team's record is something like 7-1 and one when they get a power play goal. And, uh, well, a lot of losses when they don't. Um, So obviously it's huge. I mean, the team is built uh, when they brought in Carlson to be very reliant on the power play. Cal Dubas has admitted as much. Um, And now they're finally starting to get going. And and what a difference a week makes. I mean, a week ago, uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning. uh, The Pens were heading into their game against the Coyotes. They had not scored on 37 straight power plays, I believe, 13 straight games. Um, no confidence whatsoever, and then they pop one in and then another one, and, and next thing you know, they're just lighting the lamp on the power play. Um, so there's a lot to break down with that. I mean, th- there's some things beyond just puck luck um, that is contributing to that. But, yeah, I mean, 
the, the game against the Wild is a great example of what the Penguins envisioned when they put this team together was that the power play would be a difference maker. And, and finally, it's a difference maker in a good way for this team. You and I have both written about this at large, you know, some of the structural things that you mentioned it there a lot to get into here. Um, there's certainly been some shuffling of the power play structure and personnel all season, especially with this latest string of success. There have been some changes to it. Um, I guess the way I'd pose it to you is what do you think has been the most impactful change of all of them, which I'm sure we'll get into. Here. Well, you wrote about it, so you answer your own question. <laughs> well, I, I guess that tips the iceberg then. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just Sidney Crosby being at the left flank at the half wall. Um, it was something that you pointed out in your From the Point piece and wasn't something that I actually was really planning on writing off the practice. I think it was Friday in Toronto and then asked Eric Carlson about it and he gave a tremendous answer about it and that kind of springboarded, springboarded me to writing uh, further about it. But to, yeah, I mean, from my standpoint, it's been pretty darn noticeable. Um, you're putting the puck in your best player's hands a lot more frequently on his stick versus when he was at the net front, which he still can do if they're rotating that power play, the movement that they like to use. But um, having him at that half wall spot, um, he's just a lot more involved. And it feels like, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's really just him and Carlson being the brain trust, the guys who are possessing that puck the most on the power play. And that can't really be a bad thing, can it? No, so I see it as twofold. One is absolutely you want the puck on Sid Stick as much as possible, and his playmaking abilities were just wasted down below the goal line. I mean, obviously there's some some pluses to having him down there. He likes playing there, but um, they need more playmaking out there. And the other thing is it's created balance with the formation. Um, you know, for years we've seen the Penguins have this overloaded look with Evgeny Malkin in the right circle, Sid to his right a little bit down below the goal line and just kind of operating on that one side of the ice. When they had Phil Kessel, it was great because he was a secondary playmaker where if teams loaded up on Crosby and Malkin, he could make plays. He wasn't a one-timer threat, um, but he, he could score as well. Um, and they just really haven't had that balance the last couple of years here. And I think making this change created that. And the Penguins have kind of spread out a little bit more in a good way. Um, you know, again, when they were in that overload look, they were really clustered together and, and you know, the PK was just kind of sitting together um, tightly and just picking off these passes. With Sid on the other side, I think it's opened up the entire ice. Um, the bumper spot is a little bit more open there, and that's where we've seen Pustin in a lot. So I, I think the fact that, you know, there's that balance is there is just as important as, as the puck being on Sid's stick. And, um, you know, Eric Carlson, again, could quote that guy. Uh, he was talking after the win over the Wild, and he was just talking about, you know, look, like, we have multiple good options now where previously it felt like we only had one option. And now we, you know, we have multiple options when we're making plays, you know, it's not always going to work, but the fact that they have more options with Sid on that side, um, you know, I think has opened up a lot of the offense and we're seeing it pay off and, you know, we're seeing some puck luck too. I mean, let's be honest, uh, Sid's game winning goal in the power play against the wild, um, you know, Jake Ansel tried to cross crease pass, um, goalie got his paddle on it. It hit two wild defensemen and came right to Sidney Crosby, who swept it into the net. You know, those were the kind of the bounces the Penguins weren't getting for the better part of three, four weeks. Um, and they're getting it now. But, you know, you make your own breaks. And I think it has a lot to do with them opening up the power play by putting Sid on that left flank. You mentioned making their own breaks. And I think another point there just to tack on is they're also shooting the puck more, right? I mean, that's something that was an issue, certainly for that 0 for 37 streak. These guys kept using the cliche of, you know, we're trying to pass the puck into the net. And it seems like in this current structure, they're a lot more willing to just fire. Um, and maybe that's because they're creating better chances, but um, it's no secret, right? <laughs> you put the puck on net, 
you're going to create opportunities for yourself and just open a lot more things up. So um, I guess the question I'll pose to you is based on what we've seen these last four games, um, obviously it's not going to be as successful as this for an entire season, nor is it going to be as bad as it was during the 0 for 37. But is this trend the way that it's showing right now, the power play, is this something that feels a little sustainable? Is this closer to the Penguins power play that was expected when they broke camp? Yeah, I think so. I do think it's sustainable for the reasons we laid out. I mean, good observation by you about, you know, shooting more. It's not just shooting more, but it's getting pucks through. And I do wonder if what I was talking about a minute ago about them being a little bit more spread out, it's a little bit easier for them to get us through these shooting lanes here. Um, but yeah, I do think it's sustainable. I mean, do I think the Penguins are going to have, you know, a top five power play the rest of the way? I don't know about that, but I do think it is going to be closer to this than what it was for that one month stretch where they didn't score. So, um, you know, if they're able to hover around the 22 to kind of 23% range, um, you know, that's pretty good. That would put them around 10th in the league, I think, over the rest of the season. And, um, you know, if they're going to go far, if they're going to win this cup, which seems silly to talk about right now with them sitting in seventh place, but um, I think that unit will have to become a, a real juggernaut for them to get it done, given the team's depth issues. But, you know, let's just kind of stay in the short term here and just look at the fact that, yeah, I, I think the confidence is back. Um, you can point to schematic reasons for why it's working. And, you know, they're finally getting some breaks. And I think that's a good thing. And this will have an opportunity to, to keep on rolling. You mentioned earlier talking about a guy who's playing at that bumper spot right now in Valtteri Pustinen. Um, I know you asked Mike Sullivan about him yesterday after the game, of which uh, Pustinen, I believe, had a pair of assists. Um, I just kind of dovetailing into that conversation. This is a guy that when we broke the season, when it started off, I don't know that he was particularly high on my radar. I don't mean to speak for you, but um, we knew what he was capable of offensively, but it seems like he's starting to find a niche here uh, with the Penguins. Is that fair to say? And what have your observations been of Pustinen's game? Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, it kind of felt like that ship might have sailed. I mean, the Penguins did bring him back as an RFA and a one-year deal, so it wasn't like they were completely out on him as a player. But, you know, you look at all the players that Cal Dubas has brought in, and, and many of them have fallen by the wayside at this point. Uh, but it just kind of felt like, okay, like there's a lot of obstacles in Pusinen's way. Um, Pusinen didn't play at the NHL level at all last year. Um, you know, I would think Mike Sullivan at least had a little input in that. So it just – it did kind of feel like, okay, like – at least you could say it was a make or break year for him. And he wasn't producing earlier in the year in the AHL and started to get going a little bit, got this call up and he's really taken off. I mean, the production's one thing, um, you know, what's he have four points in five games or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but it, it's also his play away from the puck, particularly on the four check. I think that has been better. Now Mike Sullivan indicated there's still a ways to go there, but he, he thinks, Pustinen has the right attitude. He wants to learn, and he thinks he's going to continue to get better. So the, it was interesting because Sullivan's comments made it seem like, okay, this is a guy who's going to be around for a while. Now, obviously, if he he struggles, then maybe he'll go back to Wilkes. But it seems like he's going to get some runway here, and I think he's earned it. And, you know, just circling back real quick to his play without the puck, I mean, that was the big knock on him. I mean, this guy put up points in the AHL. I think he had like 59 points in 72 games last year, something along those lines. And didn't get a call up and it was because the penguins just didn't feel like they could trust him to do everything else other than you know make plays with the puck so he's made progress in that regard we've seen that um the assist he got in riley smith's goal against the wild four check got in there hard poked the puck away from alec uh 
Golagoski. Oh, that's a mouthful this early in the morning. And, uh, you know, came right to Riley Smith and got a goal off of it. So a lot to like there. Um, and it looks like there's a chance that this guy might stick. And, and that's huge because, you know, the Penguins need more playmakers um, in their lineup. And, you know, when Brian Rust comes back and whenever that may be, it, it, you know, this is a guy that could potentially give them a little bit of something on the third line. Yeah, I was going to say not to jump the gun a little bit too much, but, you know, with the way that he's playing on Malkin's line right now, uh, what would be the ideal construction? You know, not to get too much in the nuts and bolts and, you know, trying to zoom out, but what it's right, right? This is significant for the Penguins' depth, what they can do on the wing with Raquel, with Rust, and with Pustinen. For you, would it make the most sense to put Pustinen back into the bottom six? Or if this keeps going well here, that maybe you can drop Rust to the third line or drop Raquel there once Rust is healthy and he go back goes back to Crosby's line? Way too early to talk about this. You're still relatively new on the Penguins beat. As soon as we started talking about like when they get healthy, right? Like somebody just got injured right now. Somebody was walking on their snowy sidewalk as you were saying that. And then the <laughs> hockey gods are like, oh yeah, a Penguins player hasn't gotten hurt in 24 hours. So it's a dangerous game. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they'll, they'll have options if they ever get completely healthy up front. Um, you know, we'll see how Raquel, I mean, he returned to the lineup. Um, you know, we'll see how he, he fits back in, but, but if, if Pustinen's clicking with Malkin, um, and that continues, uh, I'm sure Sullivan will want to keep them together as long as they can. Um, but let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves here because Brian Russ is on LTIR. Um, as far as we know, he hasn't been skating. Um, so I don't know, we're recording this on December 19th. Um, you know, you wonder if he'll be back in this calendar year, just kind of looking at the timeline of everything to this point. Yeah, Russ certainly sidelined for a little bit here. Penguins still dealing with a little bit of that injury concerns, of course, with Achari just got back into the lineup, but you're still out with uh, Matt Nieto as well, um, who's just doing individual workouts as it is right now, which I guess is a good segue into the next special teams topic, which is the penalty kill. Um, You wrote about that on Sunday uh, after, you know, another struggle of a game for the Penguins on the PK. On Monday, they were able to go three for three, um, with Achari getting back in, but before Monday, nine goals given up in the last eight games. I guess the question I pose to you is, where is your concern level for Penguins fans on the penalty kill um, in the aftermath of Monday where things looked a little bit better? Where is where are you at with this this unit? I think there's concern still, but I, I also kind of look at the larger sample size of what they did in the, the first 20, 21 games where they were um, you know eighth in the league. Um, they have the personnel um, just over over that eight game stretch where they allowed nine power play goals. Um, do I have that right? Or was yep. it backwards? Yep. Um, you know, there was a lot of kind of reasons for all the goals. There wasn't really like one thing you could point to um, other than the fact that they were allowing more shots from the slot and their goalies weren't making saves. But, you know, the, the breakdowns happened in a variety of ways. There were a couple of goals like directly off lost defensive zone face offs. A couple plays they just got outnumbered or outmuscled in front. Um, you know, sometimes a guy just makes a good play. So it's not like there was like one big trend. I mean, you look at who was on the ice for those goals. I, I do think that's noteworthy. Ryan Graves was on the ice for eight out of nine of them. Um, John Ludwig was on the ice for six of them, and with Chad Ruedel back, Ludwig's not on the the penalty kill. So um, you know, that's one thing there. They didn't have a Chari for part of that stretch. You mentioned Nieto, your boy. 
Um, he's been out. He was a regular on the PK and then Brian Russ. So personnel is a factor as well. So you just saw the impact just getting a Chari back and a Ruedel back. Um, you know, I know Ruedel is kind of a pinata for, for the fan base or some members of the fan base, but uh, Mike Sullivan was very complimentary of his work on the PK. And the fact that he came right in and replaced Ludwig, you know, obviously indicates they weren't happy with him there. So I tend to think that, um, you know, with those guys back, these guys are going to kind of figure some things out. Um, goalies are going to start making some more saves. And the PK is going to be more like what we saw in the first 20 games than it was in this like three week stretch here. Right. And, and you mentioned in your writing how this was kind of a unit that buoyed the group during the stretch and the power play wasn't really clicking. So I guess um, the thing they're really looking for here is to be able to get both groups firing on all cylinders. And it felt like Monday was the only night we've really seen recently where both truly were operating at the same capacity. And it's funny when you do that, how that can pave the way for success. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, and you know, not to not to beat up the guy too much, but obviously Ryan Graves, um, you know, as I said, he was out there for eight of those nine goals. He's really struggling. Um, you can tell it's weighing on him just kind of seeing, you know, interacting with him in the locker room and answering questions. Um, he's willing to talk, but you can tell he's 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 pretty down on himself right now. We saw Sullivan split up the the five on five D pairs. He's now playing with Carlson. So getting that guy going um, back to where he was, um, you know, a month ago when he, he, he had a nice little stretch there. Um, getting him back to that level is only going to help the PK as well. And, and obviously at five on five. You mentioned the D pair changes there with putting him now with Eric Carlson, um, Pedersen, of course, with Latang. Some, um, you know, the prior history with Pedersen Latang, some solid advanced stats. So I think that's a unit that, you know, you probably feel pretty good about if you're Penguins fans. But what do you think this move can do for Graves? Because, you know, this is a guy who's a, in theory, a pretty steady defender. He's going to get paired with somebody who's an offensively driven guy like a Graves or a, like a, a Latang or a Carlson. They're different players, obviously. But what do you think this move could potentially do for Graves? What do you think the goal is here with trying to get his play back on track? I guess, like, not wanting to do the same thing over and over and over by throwing Graves out there. I mean, I'm kind of skeptical that it's going to work out with Carlson. Um, you know, Latang, another guy that some fans like to beat up on, has actually been really good defensively this year. I know when he screws up, um, he does it flamboyantly. It really stands <laughs> out. Um, but he's a really good defensive player, and he's, you know, light years better than Carlson in that regard. So, um, you know, putting Graves, a guy who's struggling – out there with Carlson, a guy who can't really defend all that well. Um, I think it's a recipe for disaster, but I, I do think it was uh, Mike Sullivan just saying, okay, enough is enough. Let's like change it up. Let's try something differently. Maybe reduce Graves' playing time a little bit just by nature of putting him on the second pair. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical that it's going to stick. I don't know. Maybe just maybe something does click and, and you know they're able to stick with these pairs for a while. But to me, this is all about Graves. Um, I think the other three guys have played pretty well. Um, you know, Carlson's not been great defensively recently, but I, I, this to me just screamed like we gotta we gotta do something with Graves here. Um, you know, and it, it's it's kind of worrisome. I mean, they signed this guy to a six-year contract. Um, you know, it, it's hard for guys to adjust to new teams, new systems. We see it all the time. Um, you know, I think back to Mike Matheson and Cody CC. Uh, back in the COVID year where those guys really struggled earlier in the year and they ended up playing really well for the Penguins. So, um, you know, I wouldn't just completely write Graves off, but given the investment they made, um, you know, it is a little 
a little scary that he's got off to such a poor start. Is there any one thing in particular that stands out to you the most about Graves' struggles um, relative besides just the, hey, this is an acclimation getting used to a new team. Is there anything in his play that you think is going to be too much to overcome or is that too much caution? Well, the two things that stand out are, and they both speak to just tentativeness and and maybe not being unsure of what he's supposed to be doing in the system or what he's supposed to be doing with the puck. But the two things are, are obviously, you know, on breakouts, he's had some just brutal giveaways. At times, he just looks completely lost. Like, okay, like, do I skate it? Do I pass it to Latang or Carlson? Oh, crap, there's a guy on me. I'm just going to fire it off the glass. Like, he's had some bad giveaways. So, so that's one thing. He still looks tentative with the breakouts. And the other thing is he just keeps getting caught in the middle defensively. Like, he goes to pressure. He's not the fastest guy. He's kind of big and awkward. Um, but um, he's just kind of been caught in the middle. So I, I think that, to me, it's just kind of, again, it, we're talking about a guy in a new system. He's talked about how it's different, uh, particularly in the defensive end. It's much different than what they did in – New Jersey. So um, he just looks to me to be a guy who's tentative, but um, you know, I I fall back on his track record. Um, You know, he has had slow starts in his previous start uh, stints with, with different teams and was able to get together and was a really good player, like sky high plus minus. I mean, obviously he's playing with Kel McCarr, Dougie Hamilton. Those guys probably deserve um, a lot of the the credit for that, but he wasn't slowing them down. So I, I, I do think, um, you know, there's reason to think he's going to find a stride and get back to the level, but, or, or that level, but yeah, to me, uh, you probably feel the same thing. I mean, he just looks tentative, whether he has the puck or he's defending or, um, you know, all those things. Yeah. I think one thing that seems out to me before we launch into the next topic is I forget exactly when Mike Sullivan said this, it was maybe a week or two weeks ago, but that, um, what, one thing they were looking for from Graves was that when he makes plays to not stop with the puck, to keep moving with the puck or, to not feel that he needs to stop in the middle of the ice to then make a decision that and I think that really speaks to the tentativeness that you mentioned there is that I haven't really been able to not notice it whenever I watch him play now versus when I'm watching a Pedersen or I'm watching any of these Carlson's or Latangs, these other guys who certainly play very different styles of game, but you can tell that when they're on it, when they're feeling it, that it, it kind of goes seamless, right? They're just moving with the puck. It's not stagnant. It's a different kind of play. And I think that's something that stood out to me is that, I think that tentativeness is just really kind of hard to ignore. So that's that's really stood out to me, that's for sure. It's never going to be pretty with him. I mean, he admitted it, he's admitted it himself. He says, I'm not the prettiest player, and it's true. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be effective, um, and that includes with the puck. But, yeah, I, I mean, good observation by you. It's just uh, looks looks out of sorts. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, we'll wrap this up with one final topic. It's a little still very much Penguins-related, but this one will be – a little bit different than usual. Um, this is just coming off the heels of Monday's game um, with, of course, the Penguins playing the Wild. Marc-Andre Fleury not in net, of course, for Minnesota. Um, that was a scene that, for me, I just wanted to discuss this with you briefly, Matt, because I don't know that I've ever experienced anything like that at a hockey game with fans chanting the name of the other team's goalie to come in place for the one who's starting. Obviously, very uh, understanding circumstances there, but just what were your thoughts on the night as a whole, uh, the decision not to put uh, Flurry in net by the Wild. Just what were your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, it's a bummer. It's a bummer for the fans. Uh, selfishly, it's a bummer for us media folks because it would have been a great story to write about. Um, you understand why the Wild did it. Um, Gustafin, Gustafson's their number one. He's been playing well. Um, you know, and they want to 
give him more starts. It was a back-to-back. Um, and also, like, Flurry isn't thrilled about playing in Pittsburgh. He's talked about how it's always kind of awkward to come back. So, you know, I don't know that he was too, too beaten up about not being able to play. Um, but for the fans, it's disappointing. I mean, they they tried their best to give Flurry some love during warmups and um, things like that. But, um, you know, I know a lot of fans thought this might be his last game in Pittsburgh. We don't know yet. He's been mom on his future. But, um, you know, it would have been a nice kind of ending or, a nice story if he was able to come and play in that game and um, the fans were able to show him the love, but you kind of understand why it didn't work out the way it did. But, you know, I also understand why fans are frustrated. I mean, you know, I had a friend who won uh, tickets to, he got to pick any game to go to whatever that uh, contest is the Penguins do. And he circled this one on the calendar. He said, okay, I want to go watch the wild play and watch flurry. And I know he was bummed out that flurry didn't play, but Oh, well life moves on. Um, but it was awkward. And then they were chanting, we want Flurry, we want Flurry, because, you know, Flurry is the ultimate team guy, um, you know, and he's not the type who's sitting there thinking like, OK, I want the other goalie to fail so I can come in. So I'm sure he wasn't too, too um, thrilled that fans were chanting him. But oh, well, yeah, I was uh, using my eagle eyes powers with the binoculars a couple of times during the games, just each time that the chants were going on. Um, I tried to zoom in on him and see how Flurry was reacting there. Um, on the bench and you know I'm not somebody who covered him for a long time right this is my still my second year in the beat but certainly didn't look to be um, thrilled with the moment I think that was one that maybe felt a little bit too big not to put words in his mouth but um, yeah just a a, an eerie scene one that certainly would have been cool to see him play there if that was the last trip to Pittsburgh but um, yeah totally understood it and there were other reasons too even just beyond just the sentimental moods I mean it's not like he's been dominant when he's been in net every time he's come back to Pittsburgh the last few years. So from the wild sake, if they're trying to continue with their winning ways, they're on an interim head coach, right? After they fired their main guy at the beginning of the year. So it's not like this is a team that can just throw away games or any team. So I understand it, but uh, yeah, disappointing, I think is the right way to put it. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, stick taps time, putting it in your corner, Matt, what do you got here? Uh, you go first. Wow. Deferring. Okay. Uh, I'll go with Braden Yeager. Um, Penguins prospect, the first rounder last year, uh, made Team Canada for World Juniors. This is a guy who's played at an excellent level all season, really, um, as he's still, you know, working his way out in the junior level. Um, this is somebody the Penguins certainly have high expectations for. He looked good back in training camp and in a couple of preseason games for the Penguins. Stick taps to him uh, for making that because I know that's an important uh, milestone for any young player, especially to represent their country. So stick taps to Braden Yeager. Uh, my stick tap goes to Sidney Crosby, who is just climbing the all-time point list. Um, he is up to 12, or, uh, 13th all-time in points. He's four shy of Joe Thornton for 12th. Um, he just pulled ahead of former teammate Mark Recchi um, with his two points. So this guy continues to pile up the points. Um, it's not without a, you know, it, it's not without question. He could get up to I'm looking at it right here. Probably not to 11th this year, but, um, you know, next year, certainly he's just going to continue to climb and it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. Um, you know, once again, he's been a great player for the Penguins. Um, you know, I think maybe the MVP talk here locally is a bit much. I mean, this team is in seventh place and Sid's not even in the top 10 in scoring, um, not to discredit him too much, but he's been fantastic. Um, and yeah, another big goal for the Penguins. It seems like anytime they have gotten a big play this year, um, he's been right there in the middle of it. Yeah. 
certainly has been. Um, nobody's carried this team out of games more than he has. Um, so so many come to mind, whether that's the first Tampa Bay game back at the uh, end of November. Um, you know, there's so many that come to mind of just how Crosby has elevated his play. And, you know, that comes as no surprise, but he's been so impactful all season. So certainly stick taps to him as well. Still good at hockey. Yeah, something like that. And, you know, maybe the best player on the team. Who knows? But. At any rate, that'll do it for our weekly chat. We'll check in with you guys again next week, just ahead of the holiday. Uh, In the meantime, stay up to date with all of our content on post-gazette.com, and we will catch you all again next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.